excited to have you here. Looking forward to a great day together in the next few minutes that we have. I'm looking forward to just talking with you about unscripted. How many of you are planners in the house? Any planners in the house? I mean, you're the type that you've got to have a detailed list. My planners, excellent. There we go. There's a few of you. You don't go anywhere without your list, and you kind of annoy everybody else because you're so detailed. I mean, your Christmas cards went out on time. You already bought your Christmas presents because you lie, Amazon Prime. Exactly. I'm done with my Christmas shopping. Thank you very much. You're the crazy person. You actually get to enjoy this holiday season, which is just weird to me. You know, you don't fight traffic. You don't deal with the hectic malls. You're just like, no, I had a plan. But planners, when your plan doesn't work out, all of a sudden you're like, my plan, you know, you know, you get frustrated because your plan is not working and you had this plan all of a sudden it's not working. But no matter if you're a planner, you're not a planner. We all still do plan. Some of us, we plan that, hey, I'm going to go to this college and uh, I'm going to get this degree and I'm going to marry this girl and we're going to be having this type of family. And all of a sudden you're looking back in your life, you're like, I didn't graduate college and I didn't marry the person I thought, and my family's nothing like I thought, and wow, my, what happened to the script of my life? I, I had a script, and, and it didn't go to plan. Uh, I've almost been married 10 years, and I remember my, my honeymoon. I had planned this thing out. I went broke trying to pay for this honeymoon, and uh, I was going to take my bride, my wife, to go to uh, the Hawaii, and I was like, yes, we're going to go to Hawaii, so I just went broke on this, this honeymoon to Hawaii, and man, I was all excited because we landed at the island of, of Kauai, and man, I'm just, I'm just super pumped. I'm like, yes, we're in Kauai, but uh, we overslept and at, in LA, and so we missed our original flight to get out, so we sat in LAX all day to get the, the one flight, because they had a flight, but then we couldn't go together. It was like, I would have to wait and take another airplane and she'd have to take one. And I was like, no, we just got married less than 24 hours. We're not going to take two separate flights. She was down with it, which was odd to me, but I don't know if that's a sign, but uh, she was like, no, no, I'll meet you there. I was like, are you for real right now? Like, no, no, no. We both going together. All right. All right. I paid a lot on that wedding. I want to get what I paid for. All right. And so we're going together. So we land, but we landed late. So I missed my rental car rental. You know, I, I looked it up. This is 10 years ago, y'all. So it wasn't as convenient as today. You just pull up your phone. It was like, we still had to kind of make sure we had all our paperwork, you know, make sure you had everything printed out. So I go to the rental place and I was like, hey, do you got any rental cars left? They were like, it's Hawaii. You're in the peak season. And, and this lady knew she had me. She had me. She looked at me. She sized up the situation. She knew that, hey, we're newlyweds. You know, you just got that look in your eye. You know, like, like reality hasn't hit this couple yet. Like, like they still look happy together. So they've got to be just married. You know, reality hasn't hit. So she, she, she sized up the situation. She's like, I got two cars. I was like, you only got two cars left? And I was like, let me see. She's like, no, no, I only have two cars. And she was like, I got a sports car that's going to cost a lot, or I got a minivan. I was like, no, you don't. You have more than just two cars. She's like, no, I, I, I have a sports car or the minivan. It's your honeymoon, sir. Which one are you going to drive on your honeymoon? Immediately like the minivan, you know. I've been cruising in my little soccer mama view. That's right. I paid less. No, and uh, she had me. I bought, I rented the sports car. I paid extra. So we're in the, in the we've already missed a flight. We're getting the wrong rental car, and the honeymoon just gets not necessarily better, but it kind of goes down because I'm calling down the hotel. We're on our way, and I was like, hey, I can't find your hotel on the road on this island. They said, sir, you were in Kauai. Our resort is on the island of Hawaii. I said, there's a difference? They said, yes, sir, there is a difference. There's five islands. There's a big difference. I said, well, can I drive there? No, sir, you're on an island. 
oh, this is terrible. I'm going to complain. They were like, sir, this is not our fault. You landed at the wrong island. So I look over my wife. I was like, you want to hear a funny story? She was like, no. No, I, I don't. I really don't. I, I've already traveled all day. I want to get to our, our honeymoon. I was like, oh, you want to get to the hotel? Oh, I see. Oh, I, I know what you want. Yeah. And she was like, no, no. She's like, none. You know, she was had enough. She was like, I'm so frustrated. And so what we had planned totally went wrong. Just totally. And so you, you've encountered situations like that where you're like, man, I got this plan and it's going to work out and it doesn't. You thought he was going to stay with you. You thought she was going to stay with you. You didn't think that you were going to lose a job this year. You didn't think that your kids were going to act up this year. You didn't think you were going to have the problems. But yet here you are and you're sitting here and you're like, my life has gone off script. And I want to introduce you to a young teenage girl in the Bible, and, and maybe you're a Christian or maybe you're not, but I think this story can help you no matter where you find yourself. You don't necessarily have to be a Christian to uh, believe and be helped by this, but let me just read a few things out of God's word that are going to help us. We're not going to be long this morning, but let me read this. This is a story of a young girl, and the Bible says, in the sixth month, an angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man who was Joseph. Betrothed means engaged. She was engaged to a man of the house of David. And, uh, uh, and it says, the Bible says, the angel came to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord bless you. Blessed are you among women. When she saw him, she was troubled by his words and considered in her mind what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Listen, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and call his name Jesus, and he will be great and be called the son of the highest and the lord god will give him the throne of his father david and he will reign over the house of jacob forever and his kingdom there shall be no end mary said to the angel how can this be seen i know not a man you see here's mary she's a teenage girl and this teenage girl she's in the process she's got her script and her script says bridal shower that's what the script says The angel comes to Mary and says, I'm going to change your script from bridal shower to baby shower. All of a sudden, her young life is turned upside down. Because as I've heard from people who have been pregnant, I myself have never been pregnant, so I'm not wanting to speak on authority on this issue. But they say it's a long, difficult process to carry a baby. Whereas she thought she was going to plan a wonderful wedding, order the dress, order the cake, get the flowers, get the bridesmaids, get the bridesmaids to actually like each other and agree to wear the ugliest color that I can possibly find. Because no bridesmaid is ever allowed to look good on the wedding day. The bridesmaids have to wear the craziest color that they can find. Like you didn't even know this was a color. And they find this color and then you have the craziest name. It's mauve. What is mauve? Like who, who comes with names? Just call it pink. Call it red. Call it blue. Mauve. Periwinkle. Beige. It's like for real, just give me normal names, okay? And they're wearing this thing and it clashes. They don't even look good in it. And so that's what Mary's supposed to be planning. But now she's going to t- uh, Kids R Us. She's got to get the diaper change table. She's got to get diapers. She's got to get prenatal care. She's got to do all the checkups. She's got all this extra stuff she's got to do because she was not planning because her life went off script. 
And maybe that's where you find yourself this morning. Maybe you're like, I had a plan, man. I had a plan, and my plan was to get a tree and not to sit and listen to some skitty white dude. All right, no offense, but can you move it along, man? That's my plan. I'm here for a tree, and now that you got flu shots, I'm going to get me one of those. Maybe get two. Who knows? It might be a lucky day. You know, and uh, that's kind of my plan today. And you're messing with my plan. You're messing with my script, and such is life. But I want you to see this amazing girl's reaction because this girl, her reaction is one where, guess what? Life has interruptions. And if you're a parent in the house, let me see the parents in the house. Any parents in the house? You know interruptions. Like, come on. When's the last time you took a shower and nobody bothered you? Exactly. Like, for real. I was going to the bathroom the other day, and I don't mean to get graphic, but all of a sudden I'm sitting there, and I see little fingers under the door like a horror film. I'm like, get back. What is this? You know, my kids are reaching under to get me, you know? And I'm, like, grabbing the spray, and I'm spraying. You know, I was like, get back, demons. I know karate or jiu-jitsu or something. Yeah, some of you are judging me as a parent right now. You know those moments where you would ship your kids to Siberia mm, like that. It's like, I brought you into this world. Ooh, I will take you out of this world. Don't test me. Don't test me. And uh, you get teenagers, you know, you know the feeling. It gets real. It gets real. And so here's Mary. She's about to have the ultimate interruption. Her life was scripted. Her life was planned. Her life was was good. She was engaged. It was a happy time. But here, now today in our culture, you meet a teenage girl who's pregnant. It, it still has a slight stigma. And that's kind of sad because all life is beautiful. All life is wonderful. But in that day, if you were unmarried and you were pregnant, your life was over. And I mean, they could stone you. And I don't know what your background is, The type of stoning we're talking about isn't that kind of stoning like, whoa, feel good, man. No, no, no. She didn't have the munchie. That's not the kind of stone she was, you know. And uh, But just imagine the interruption. And you could see Mary, all right? Or you could see Joseph. She's engaged to Joseph. So so you could just see these people as they go about town. You know, Mary's at the party, and everybody's like, Mary, you're starting to show, girl. You're starting to to show. Oh, yeah. Oh, is that Joseph's baby? Oh, no, no. It's God's baby. Okay. On something, right? She's smoking something, for real. And then everybody comes over to Joseph, and the guys be like, "Joseph, come here, come here, man. We gotta, we gotta have a talk." Uh, hey, Joseph, um, your girl Mary, she's cute, she's sweet and all, but she's going around town telling people she's pregnant and it's God's baby. Like Joseph, we told you. What kind of girls are you hanging around? Like, for real, are you going to let her pull that over you? Like, really? Joseph, come on, man. You're not that dumb. Come on. Come on, man. So you can imagine the conversation that they had is difficult. So life is this interruption. And maybe that's where you find yourself. You find yourself in the middle of an interruption where you're like, man, my life was going so good. I had the job. I had the relationship. I had the car. The kids were going good. And then, man, I got hurt from the doctor and, and this happened and, and I lost the job and, and, and my life is just turned upside down. What do I do? But I love Mary's reaction because Mary's reaction is so simple but yet so profound because she didn't see it as an interruption she saw this as something greater and i hope to flip your perspective this morning i hope you i hope you can see things in a whole new light this morning because many of you are looking at your world you're looking at your problem you're looking at your family and it's just headaches it's just a nightmare it's just a wreck and what should have been an interruption mary sees as an invitation to something greater And this morning, I don't know where you find yourself, but I hope that you would find yourself seeing that interruption, especially this Christmas season. There should be a lot of interruptions. 
You're going to get busy. You got plans. You got parties. You got things to do. You got shopping to get done. And all of a sudden, it's going to be really easy to not want to get interrupted. But there's going to become some moments where you're going to have to say, do I mind being interrupted? Is my plan so important? And here's what's so profound, that God can speak into those moments where you feel like, man, it's so disappointing, it's so hard. That's where God can work in that interruption, even when life seems off script. I want to show you a short clip because I think they're in this room this size. There are some people who are like, this is good. Yeah, Bible, I guess it's okay. I'm more of a skeptic, atheist, agnostic. I'm not sure where I land. I could be, I'm a spiritual person. I'm a spiritual person, but I don't know about this God, this Jesus, this Bible, this book. I don't know where I find myself. And I think this short clip that the media team's going to show will help you. I'll be right back. I remember the first moment when I became completely blown away and intrigued with the idea of being a magician. That was the moment that I knew that I could actually be good at this. It is the most fun thing in the world to me. I tend to like questions a lot more than answers. And what a magic trick does is it forces you into a place of questioning and it pulls the rug of reality out from underneath you to where you're literally left in a place where you don't know what is happening. As a magician, you're very skeptical and you realize that most of what's going on behind the scenes is fake or false. The idea of an all-powerful God seems incredibly silly. And when I talk to people that would go to church, I can remember thinking that they were just falling for a simple magic trick. It's like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain controlling everything. I'd grown up understanding how to make people believe something was real when it was really not. I am a master of phoniness. I'm a, I'm a charlatan by craft. But I began to ask myself a big God question. I said, God, if you are real, then I need you to bring me back behind the curtain. I need you to show me how it works. And I need you to make this so real to me that I cannot ignore it. never forget the day this man walks into my room and he said Mr. Monroe I don't know how to tell you this but you have you have cancer I said what and he looked at me and said Mr. Monroe he said we cannot cure you of your disease my wife and I were We were in a bad place. God, where are you? I guess you aren't that great. I had been married for five years. I had just a three-year-old girl and a two-year-old little boy. And I needed, I needed more time with my family. I needed more time. 
cancer doctor looked at me and said, Mr. Monroe, he said, we cannot cure you of your disease. There is something, however, that we would like to try. It's called a bone marrow transplant. The problem with your body is that your white blood cells are making bad copies of bad copies. Your body is deceiving itself. It's playing a trick on itself. So what we need to do is we need to completely destroy your system. And what we're hoping to do is we're hoping to find someone in the world whose DNA matches yours close enough to grow a brand new immune system, a brand new blood system from scratch. We're going to substitute someone else's perfect blood on your behalf so that you can live again. I was thinking to myself, man, my time is running out. I am dying of cancer. It's been hard to deal with right now. Peyton is three years old and Gavin is two years old. My two babies. Should this take my life early? I love you. They began the most vicious concoction of chemo, the goal of which was not just to destroy the cancer in my body, but was literally to destroy me. It was hell. It was a slow death. I really am scared. I'm really trying not to be fearful, but I am fearful. I'm trying to be strong for my wife and for my, for my family. But uh, I'm pretty scared. We are waiting to hear from the National Bone Marrow Donor Program, seven million people currently registered on the database. And there was one perfect match for me, just one. It was a 19-year-old female. They said, Mr. Monroe, your bone marrow transplant is scheduled for April 23rd. You're gonna get a brand new birthday. They said, you are gonna be like a baby inside the womb all over again. The nurses celebrate your new birth in the hospital. And I had heard that terminology before too, somewhere at the churches that I had attended. But literally, I was gonna be born anew. And then I'll never forget, on April 23rd, they brought this bag of blood into my room and everyone was hoping in that moment that my body would receive that new life, that new blood. I sit here today, 100% completely cancer-free. When they look at my blood today, they see a 19-year-old female. They see her, they see XX chromosome. I'm reminded of a verse in Galatians 2. It says, uh, it's no longer I who live, but it's someone else who lives on the inside of me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith. John 17, 3, it says, this is eternal life, knowing you, God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I'm fully convinced of the claims of Jesus as a skeptical person and as an illusionist. I know that the God of the universe has brought me back behind the curtain just like I asked him to. Cancer 
was how he did it through my life. And there's a spiritual cancer that's eating us away on the inside. And we're all longing, we're all begging for someone to step in and to save us from that condition. As the story so perfectly points out, his life was all together. He had it scripted. And cancer, leukemia was not part of the script. And maybe this morning, that's where you find yourself. You're saying, the script is not going how I planned. This isn't what I wanted. But in the middle of your interruption, and maybe your interruption this morning is huge. Maybe it's, it, it's a relationship being literally ripped apart. Or maybe it's somebody who you love very dearly left you and stabbed you in the back and wounded you so deeply. You don't know if you can ever love again, if you ever can forgive again, or if you'll ever experience joy or hope again. But this morning, I'm telling you, the interruption was so that one person, his name is Jesus, could meet you and say, I am here. I love you. I've never left you. And I want to show my myself real to you. I've found that it's when we experience the deepest pain that we are the most, uh, our senses are the most alert to what's going on around us. It's almost like when you're in that type of pain that everything just kind of slows down. And even though when you're in excruciating pain, you want everything to go a little bit faster to just get it over with. But it's at that moment of heightened reality that you can experience Jesus in a much deeper and real and satisfying way. And this morning, it's not about a tree. The tree we want to give you is to point to a person who 2,000 years ago, who gave his life on a tree. The tree is our prop this morning. The tree is our object lesson. The tree is our example. It's something we want to give to you, but we want you to know that there was a person. His name was Jesus. Jesus is here because of a woman who decided to say, yes, I will say yes to the interruption because I see it as a greater invitation. And this morning, I hope that you would see the the interruption in your life as an invitation to a greater life, a life of fulfillment. I know there's some people, you are what maybe we would call a down and out, but there's also people that are an up and out. Maybe you have the career, you have the success, you have the influence, the power, the the leadership, and you have it all, and you're like, what more do I need? But you've spent sleepless nights knowing that there is a void in your heart that you cannot fill. Here's what's so profound about the Jim Monroe story, is that Jim Monroe's actual birth date is April the 20th. His new birthday became April the 23rd. The doctor said he's going to die, and that he's going to be born anew, or born again three days later. It reminds me of a story of a man by the name of Jesus. That Jesus, who after they nailed him onto the cross, they took him down, they put him into a tomb, and for three days, death thought it won. Death thought it had conquered. But after three days. Jesus conquered death, conquered sin, conquered the grave. He got up and he conquered it so that we know that we can have an eternal life. It's a victory that starts within. There are habits, there are hangups you've been trying to change. There are things that you've said, I'm never going to go back to that and you keep going back to that. There are things about you that you don't like about you. And there are things that have about you that you're like, this is why I don't go to church because I feel so unclean or I don't feel right. And I'm here to tell you, don't feel that way because you think, well, Christian, you just got it all together. You got your little Bible. You got your little family. You guys are so perfect. No, no, no. We are not. We're just like you. We just hide it better. We have the same problems. We just hide it better. So when it comes to you saying, I don't feel worthy, guess what? That's all of us. None of us feel worthy that Jesus would give his life for us. The other side of the story doesn't mention, as I did a little bit more research, there was a 19-year-old girl who donated her bone marrow 
to him. And after one year, she could, he could contact his donor and he could have a conversation and arrange a meeting. And he calls her and he says, hey, what were you doing this week? And she said, I got a tattoo. And he said, do you get many? She said, no, only one. And he said, oh, really? Where did you get the tattoo? She said, over where the scar is from where the needle was that they pulled the bone marrow out of my body. She said, it was the most hellacious experience I've ever been through. The pain that I felt while they were taking the bone marrow as they were literally taking the deepest part of me my essence she said as they were doing that it hurt so bad I wanted something to remember and he said that's interesting because Jesus had some friends they were called disciples who his own best friends didn't believe that Jesus had come back from the dead and you know what Jesus did to prove that he had he had to show some scars so he said look at my hands Look at my side. Look at my feet. Here's the scars. And he asked her, what kind of tattoo is it? What what does it look like? And she said, it's a puzzle piece. Because I'm somebody's missing piece. Because she was one out of seven million. He said the statistics of one out of seven million is like a person being bit by a shark twice and it being the same shark. So that's the odds of it. It's just a statistical anomaly that is so uh, just un- unheard of that you would find a perfect match. He tried his own family. They weren't a perfect match. You've tried everything to look for that perfect piece. Some of you sought it in a guy. and You've chased relationship after relationship. You've sought it in a thing. Maybe that car. Maybe that house. Maybe that boat. Some of you sought it in a career. Maybe you have this career and you jump around from job to job or substance to substance. You've tried anything to find your missing piece. And I'm here to tell you your missing piece is Jesus. And as you keep running, you're missing out. And today I'm asking you a tough question. And I know I don't know you, but I care about you deeply. Our church invested money into this. Matter of fact, we had a problem with the truck. The trees are supposed to be here on Friday. They never arrived. I called yesterday because I couldn't get a hold of anybody. At 4 p.m. in the afternoon, couldn't get a hold of anybody. So at 10 p.m., we find out the trees are still stuck in Reading. So there was a group of guys who loaded up in a truck. They drove all night. They still haven't slept just so they could get the trees here. That's how much we care about you, how much we were willing to go the extra mile, to make sure that we were here. Because we love our community. And so this morning, we care deeply, but here's what we really care about. We want you to know that Jesus loves you, that you can accept him. And that's what it's all about this Christmas season. It's saying, this is an interruption, but what's the greater invitation? What is Jesus calling me to? Mary said yes. And my question to you this morning, will you say yes to God? You've ran from him. Some of you have known him when you were little. You grew up in the church, but you left. You've gone your own way, and you know your life is not how you want it to be. And you're saying, no, it's time that I do business with God. It's time I get this right. And it's time that you say, you know what, Jesus? I've ran from you long enough. I've stiff-armed you long enough. I've tried my own way. I've tried my own things, and it's not working. And now I'm coming back to you. And this morning you're saying, Jesus, it's me and you. We got to do business. I've ran from you for too long. I've tried too much and it doesn't work. It doesn't satisfy. I wake up the next day more empty. And so today, this morning, God, something's happening in my heart. I'm done running. I'm done trying what everybody says. It's Jesus. It's not religion. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. That's you trying to be good enough, and you can't be good enough. And it's not about being good enough. God said, I'll take your guilt. I'll take your shame. I'll take it all because I love you. So don't don't worry about your past, your hang-ups, or your habits. It's time to come home. Touch your neighbor and say, it's time to come home. Touch your neighbor out loud and shake them a little bit. Wake them up. Slap them if you have to. And say, it's time to come home. It's time to say, you know what? Jesus is calling. 
The Bible says that Jesus stands at a door and he's knocking and he's wanting into our lives. He's wanting into your heart. Did you find it interesting? He said the inside of him was killing him. So he needed something else that would restart the very fiber of his being. You've tried everything. It's time to find something that can do an inside job and transform you from the inside out. And will you say yes to him? That's the question. Can we all stand? I believe we're in a special moment. And maybe you're not a, not a church-going person. It's not about church. But maybe you're saying, yeah, God's working on me. And I've tried good enough, but good enough doesn't get you there. Good enough is like you coming to the Grand Canyon and thinking that you can jump across it. No man can jump across the Grand Canyon. You may get a running head start and jump, and you can get 100 feet out, which would be amazing, but you won't make it. And your good works, you're like, I'm just trying to get my good works to outweigh my bad, man. That's, that's it. But I'm telling you what, you're not good enough. You need Jesus. He's the missing piece. I'm going to ask you to do something. Maybe you're new to church and it might feel a little bit strange, but I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. The music's just going to kind of play. And I'm going to ask you a question. And if you could just tune into my voice just for a moment. We're almost done. We're almost done. But this is it. This is where it's, this is why they drove through the night. This is why some people in this church donated thousands of dollars to put on this event. Here's why. Because they want to know one question. Have you asked Jesus in your heart? Have you said yes to Jesus? And if you have said yes to Jesus, would you unashamedly lift up your hand so I could see it? If you said yes to Jesus, Jesus is in your heart. Amen. I see those hands. Amen. Amen. Oh, man. Yes. Thank you. You put your hands down. But there were some in this room. They're like, no, I I couldn't put, I couldn't say yes. So this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. It's a prayer. It's not the words. It's your heart saying, God, I'm done running. I'm done trying. You're my missing piece. Life is full of interruptions. Life has gone off script. But God, I need you. Because God has a purpose that's bigger than your plan. And so I want to pray a prayer. And I want our entire worship team sound and audio everybody pray this prayer together out loud for the benefit of those who are coming back to God or coming to God for the first time so I'm going to pray out loud would you repeat after me if you're comfortable because we're going to pray a prayer to help those because some are going to come to God for the very first time so you don't be afraid to pray it out loud simply like this dear God thank you so much for sending your son Jesus thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sin I want to receive your gift of salvation. I want to receive your gift of salvation. I repent of my sin. I repent of my sin. And I say yes to Jesus. And I say yes to Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I want to do, church. Here's what I want to do on the count of three. If you prayed and you accepted Jesus in your heart, you said, I said yes to Jesus. On the count of three, I don't want you to be ashamed. I don't care who's next to you. You put your hand up. You say, yes, I said yes to Jesus. And you'd be proud about it. On the count of three, one, two, three. Did you say give your life to Jesus? Shoot that hand up. Amen. Amen. Look at all the hands. That's what it's all about. Your life is forever changed. God is doing a work inside of you. You're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God wants to change you. Your life is beautiful. It has purpose. It has meaning. And Jesus came into your life, and it started all over. Today is a new day. Today you can walk out knowing that Jesus is inside of my heart. He fills me with joy. And let's sing together this worship song as the band plays.